Good evening, everyone. It's so good to see you. Um, I hope you're enjoying your day. I hope everything is going well with you. Tonight, we're going to do part two of the Book of Love. And we're teaching about the book of 1 John, which tells us so much about love and about the love of God. So since it's part two, if you haven't uh, listened to part one, I really encourage you to do it because part two kind of builds on part one. And there's a lot of background information in part one that will help you understand what I'm talking about. So it gives some, uh, part one gives some essentials on this book. Um, and it'll mean so much to you if you have that background information. So just as a very brief summary, Paul wrote this letter to combat heresy, which was being ta taught in the churches in Ephesus, the city of Ephesus and, and the areas around, which would be called modern day Turkey now. There were several variations of this heresy, but kind of to sum it up or wrap it all up, it was being taught that the body, your physical body, was evil and was not really connected in any way to your spirit or related to your spirit. And uh, what a person's body did didn't matter uh, in regard to salvation, didn't affect your salvation. In other words, it was okay to sin. The thing that mattered to them was the spirit, spiritual enlightenment as a path to salvation. Since they believed the physical body was sinful, they had come up with several teachings about Jesus that were false. They didn't believe in the incarnation of Jesus or the resurrection. They didn't believe that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins. They saw no need for a savior because they did not really believe in sin. And since sin didn't harm you, they taught it was good to live a life full of indulgence. And uh, one of the main, as I said before, one of the main subjects in this letter is love. Three other words are used repeatedly in this letter. Uh, life, light, and to know or knowledge. And we will see why knowing the right things are so important as we go along. When we don't know good, sound doctrine, the truth about Jesus Christ, we can be so easily led astray and mixed up and even come to doubt God's plan of salvation. And this is what happened in these churches that John is uh, writing this letter to. This letter, letter also gives some very blunt, cut and dry uh, statements about how a Christian should act and what a Christian believes. <clears throat> Paul wrote, or John wrote this letter to assure Christians of their eternal salvation. Many Christians had become unsettled and confused because of all these false teachings that were going around. And as John addresses this, he fills this letter with sound doctrine. So this is a great letter to tell you what to believe about Jesus Christ. John himself tells us why he wrote this letter. Uh, as he addresses these heresies, and we gave you the scriptures last week, but he wrote them so that you may know that you have eternal life, that your joy may be full, and so that you will not sin. So those are three main things that John said he was writing the letter for. So hopefully you'll have a fresh understanding of this book. So let's start uh, reading at the beginning. First John uh, chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm reading out of the King James Version right now. It says, This which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. 
The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard and declare unto you, that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And last week we talked about how similar the beginning of the uh, letter to First John, the, the book of First John was to the beginning of the Gospel of John. There's so many similarities and we read that last week. So what we just read, John is saying that he's proclaiming the pre-existence and the genuine humanity of Christ. He was saying, I was there. I saw it. I experienced it. I smelled it. I tasted it. I touched it. I was there. I know all about it because I was there. And he's telling us about it so that we can be assured of our salvation so we can know it and have all of the joy possible. So I'm going to read part of that uh, scripture from the NLT version, 1 John 1, uh, verse 1. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. See, the, the heresy going on right then was saying that Jesus didn't exist from the beginning. Whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. See, the heretics were, were saying that Jesus was just, he was just a human being and, and, the, and the spirit of Christ indwelled in him. But here he was saying, <clears throat> John is saying, he is the word of life. <clears throat> this one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father. See, they didn't believe that, that Jesus was with the Father from the beginning. And said, and then he was revealed to us. All of these statements were, were addressing heresy in 1 John 1, verse 1 through 3. They were all addressing the heresies that were going on at the day. So John was saying, Jesus is God. Jesus existed from the beginning. He was with the Father before he came to the earth. He was the word made flesh, the word of life, and he has eternal life. So those are really uh, profound statements that John made because it was such a problem in the church at his time. So with that in mind, let's uh, go to chapter 2, verse 12 in the NLT. And we can see as we read this book that John is just pounding in the word of truth, the truth to these people. He says in verse 12, I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. So that's important because the heresy claimed that sin wasn't a problem and you didn't need to be forgiven. So John is saying he's writing this to God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. Verse 13, I am writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. See, the heresy didn't believe that Jesus existed from the beginning. Uh, before, uh, they didn't believe that Jesus, you know, was there before Jesus was born, in other words. And he, they did not believe in the incarnation. So he's saying, because you know Christ, you already know these things about Christ. So don't forget them. And then on in verse 13, I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. 
See, the heresy taught there was no evil to overcome. So Paul, or John is just pounding in these truths. And in summary, in verse 14, it says, I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your heart. So John is emphasizing that the church needs to go back to what they know, to what they have been taught. Notice how many times the words you know have been used here. John is also saying that those who are young in the faith and those who are mature both need to watch out for false teaching and heresy in the church because he keeps addressing the young and the old, the young and the mature. So let's look at what the book of 1 John says trademarks of these false teachers were. The first thing is that they have been, they are now or have been part of the church. They likely were teachers and in leadership positions in the church due to the influence that they had. According to historical writings, these people used scriptures and twisted it to accommodate their heresy. And you'll find that in in basically any false teaching. Uh, They do use scripture, they do use the Bible, but they twist it, they take it out of context, they don't uh, look at the whole whole of scripture to decide what it means. In 1 John 2, verse 18, in the NLT, 1 John 2, verse 18, it says, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. But when they left, it proved that they did not belong to us. So John is saying that these uh, false teachers were a type of Antichrist and that they never did belong in the church in the first place. The second thing is that the false teachers denied that Jesus was the Christ who had come in the flesh. They taught that Jesus was just a man that the Spirit of God dwelt in, the Spirit of Christ dwelt in. Um, they believe he, some of them believe that the Spirit of Christ came into Jesus' body at the baptism, at his baptism, and left his body uh, before he was crucified. In 2 John, go to 2 John, uh, verse 8, in the NLT, 2 John verse, uh, I'm sorry, 2 John verse 7 in the NLT, it says, I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. In 1 John, back to 1 John, chapter 2, verse 22, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 22, it says, And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So John kind of said, said the same thing in about four different ways and said that people that deny that Jesus is the Christ is, is a liar and an antichrist. Then on to 1 John 4, 1 John 4, verse 1. 
It says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. So John was gauging uh, false prophets here regarding a specific vein of heresy. We see different places in the Bible, uh, false prophets but Paul is, uh, or John, I keep saying Paul, but John is addressing a specific case here, addressing a specific uh, type of false prophet that was saying that Jesus Christ was not God, that he did not, that the spirit of Christ did not come in the flesh. And so I just wanted to say, in addition to this, there's a lot of other ways that a person can be a false prophet, but uh, John is giving you a gauge here that if the person denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is a false prophet. Another thing that was a trademark of those that were false prophets or her prophets or heretics was they taught that sin was not a problem. They taught that you could live however you wanted without affecting your salvation as long as you were pursuing spiritual enlightenment. Because of this, a savior was not required to deal with sins because they claimed they had no sin and it was no no big deal. And that's that there's little Little uh, inklings of that in a lot of churches today that it's no big deal if you sin. Sin isn't really a problem because after all, Jesus died on the cross and died for your sins. And so sin is not an issue anymore because the blood of Jesus covered our sin. And we don't even need to repent anymore or be aware that we sin because the blood of Jesus covered it. That's kind of in a little different vein, but it's it's still saying that sin is not a problem. And that is... A heresy according to scripture. It's not right. So 1 John 1, uh, chapter 8, our 1 John 1, verse 8 says, <clears throat> If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. And I've heard people in this day and age say that they no longer have to repent, um, that this scripture doesn't apply to them because this scripture applies only to sinners. But this, uh, Paul, or, I'm sorry, John wrote this letter to the church. He wrote this letter to people who were Christians who were born again. And um, so saying that this scripture doesn't apply to Christians is really wrong. <clears throat> um, then the next thing, <clears throat> excuse me, next thing that we see um, John say is that John didn't refer to the false teachers as dear fellow brothers in the Lord who are just mixed up or backslidden. He saw them as unsaved people and called them false prophets, liars, deceivers, antichrist, devils, teachers who are propagating heresies, and friends of the world who claimed to have fellowship with the Father and the Son, but did not, and 
thus did not possess eternal life. So, uh, my dear friends, just it's so important to be careful who you listen to. And don't be fooled by people who say they've heard from the Lord, but they, they don't, you know, really are not really sharing the truth of the scripture in its fullness. That's so important. Um, and that shows how important it is to know the Bible for yourself. Because if you don't, you can be easily led astray or confused. In 1 John 2, <clears throat> verse 18 it says, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has, has come. These people left our churches. See, they, they were people that belonged to the church, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. Now, John isn't specifically saying that these People were led of the Lord and, and felt like they needed to go to a different church. Uh, they left because they were uh, sharing heresy <laughs> and uh, they did not belong in the church. So <clears throat> the last thing is that staying true the, to the foundational doctrines, doctrines of Christ is so important. Then in 2 John, the next book, 2 John verse 9 says, Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God, but anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. So John is in the next letter is just saying, you know, hey, if these people are teaching this, it shows that they don't have a relationship with God or with the Father and they don't belong in the church. And so just as a caution, if you notice, if the church you go to, if the word sin suffering, uh, the blood of Jesus, sacrifice, sinner, death, burial, resurrection, repentance, and hell are not mentioned in the teachings at your church, it is a sign that they have strayed away from the gospel. And it's very important to be cautious. <clears throat> so as I conclude, let us be aware of false doctrine that can creep into our lives, into our churches. And keep a check that the foundational doctrines of the church of Christ are taught and that you know them and believe them. You can find those in Hebrews uh, 6, the first uh, three verses. And they are repentance from dead works, which is repentance from sin, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So we would pray that God would help us stay in the light, stay in life, stay in the things that we know, as John said, you know, you know, stay in the things that we know, which is the word of God. So um, as we close, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as the only son of God who has come to uh, suffer and die and take upon himself your sins? so that you could put your trust in him, put your trust in his work, and be reunited with the Father and go to heaven. Do you know that? If not, I just encourage you to um, trust in Jesus. He came to, to take your suffering, to take the shame, to take the punishment for your sins. He took all that for you. And all you have to do is repent of your sins and turn toward God and ask him for, for forgiveness. So, uh, I'm just going to pray with you if you would like to pray. Father, I repent of my sins. I give my life to you to serve you. 
I believe that Jesus came to suffer uh, the punishment, punishment for my sins and give me eternal life. And I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that for the first time and you want to know more about uh, becoming a Christian, you can click on the link below about becoming a Christian. We would love to send you a Bible so you can just email us or, or send, uh, send a message below this video. And we would love to send you a Bible and, and get in touch with you. So uh, you have a good night. Bye-bye.